Hello, and welcome to the AMD First Quarter 2021 Earnings Call and Webcast. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It's now my pleasure to turn the call over to Ruth Cotter, Senior Vice President, Worldwide Marketing, Human Resources, and Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Ruth. Thank you and welcome to AMD's first quarter 2021 financial results conference call. By now, you should have had the opportunity to review a copy of our earnings press release and accompanying sideware. If you've not reviewed these documents yet, they can be found on the investor relations page of amd.com. Participants on today's conference call are Dr. Lisa Su, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Devinder Kumar, our Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer. This is a live call and will be replayed via webcast on our website. Before we begin, I would like to note that our annual shareholder meeting will be held on Wednesday, May 19th as a virtual event accessible from our website. Dr. Lisa Su will provide a keynote presentation at the J.P. Morgan Technology Media and Communications Conference on Monday, May 24th. Dan McNamara, Senior Vice President and General Manager of our server business, will attend the Bank of America Global Technology Conference on Wednesday, the 9th of June. And our second quarter, 2021 Quiet Time, is expected to begin at the close of business on Friday, June 11th. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on current beliefs, assumptions, and expectations, speak only as of today, and as such involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. Please refer to the cautionary statement and our press release for more information on factors that could cause actual results to differ materially. We will refer primarily to non-GAAP financial measures during this call, the full non-GAAP to GAAP reconciliations are available in today's press release and slides posted on our website. Now, with that, I'll hand the call over to Lisa. Lisa? Thank you, Ruth, and good afternoon to all those listening in today. Our business continued to accelerate significantly in the first quarter, driven by the best product portfolio in our history, strong execution, and robust market demand. We delivered our sixth straight quarter of double-digit percentage year-over-year revenue growth and record quarterly revenue and profitability. First quarter revenue increased 93% year-over-year to $3.45 billion with growth in all of our businesses. Turning to our computing and graphics segment, first quarter revenue increased 46% year-over-year to $2.1 billion, led by growth in both Ryzen and Radeon processor sales. In client computing, revenue grew by a significant double-digit percentage year-over-year and increased sequentially as we set records for client processor revenue and ASP. Against the backdrop of strong overall PC demand, our revenue is growing significantly faster than the market, particularly in the ultra-thin, gaming, and commercial segments. As a result, we believe we gained client processor revenue share in the quarter. Our revenue share has doubled over the last two years as we have expanded in the premium products. In notebooks, we delivered our sixth straight quarter of record mobile processor revenue based on sustained demand for Ryzen 4000 series processors and the launch of our new Ryzen 5000 series processors. Ryzen mobile 5000 series processor revenue has ramped twice as fast as the prior generation. 
We expect continued growth in 2021 as the number of notebook platforms powered by our new processors is on track to increase by 50% compared to our prior generation. We're also making good progress in the commercial market as unit shipments of our Ryzen Pro processors grew by a strong double-digit percentage sequentially. We secured multiple high-volume wins across Fortune 500 aerospace, automotive, electronics, and engineering companies in the quarter, and we're well-positioned for further growth as we have tripled our commercial notebook design wins with the largest OEMs this year. In graphics, revenue increased by a strong double-digit percentage year-over-year year and sequentially, led by channel sales growth as revenue from our high-end Radeon 6000 GPUs more than doubled from the prior quarter. We introduced our Radeon 6700 XT desktop GPU with leadership 1440p gaming performance in March and are on track for the first notebooks featuring our leading edge mobile RDNA 2 architecture to launch later this quarter. We expect Radeon 6000 series GPU sales to grow significantly over the coming quarters as we ramp production. Data center graphics revenue grew year over year and sequentially, driven largely by adoption of instinct accelerators across cloud and HPC customers. We are making great progress on our data center GPU roadmaps and expect revenue to grow in the second half of the year as we begin the production ramp of our next generation AMD instinct GPU to support multiple HPC wins, including Frontier, the first US exascale supercomputer. Frontier will use next-generation AMD CPUs, GPUs, and software to deliver unprecedented scientific computing and AI capabilities, creating a blueprint for scientific, cloud, and enterprise customers to enable exascale-class computing and AI performance over the coming years. Now turning to our enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment. Revenue increased 286% year-over-year to $1.35 billion, driven by strong growth in both semi-custom and epic processor sales. Semi-custom revenue declined by a single-digit percentage sequentially, which is better than typical seasonality. We expect semi-custom sales to, to remain strong throughout 2021, driven by significant demand for the latest generation Sony and Microsoft consoles. In server, we delivered another quarter of record server processor revenue as Epic processor sales more than doubled year over year and grew by a strong double-digit percentage sequentially. Sales of both our second and third gen Epic processors increased sequentially as growing adoption of our second gen offerings was complemented by third gen Epic processors successfully ramping into production across multiple cloud and enterprise customers. Third-gen Epic processors offer 25% more performance per watt compared to our previous generation and deliver both per socket and per core leadership across database, ERP, data analytics, Java, virtualization, cloud, and supercomputing workloads. Cloud demand was particularly strong in the quarter as tier one providers expanded their Epic processor deployments to power more of their internal infrastructure and introduced 11 new AMD-powered instances. We expect the number of AMD-powered instances to double by the end of the year to 400, as Microsoft Azure, Amazon, Google, IBM, Oracle, and Tencent 
significantly expand their offerings with third-gen EPIC processors. For the enterprise, Cisco, Dell, HP, Enterprise, Lenovo, and Supermicro all announced plans to expand their AMD-based offerings with more than 100 new third-gen EPIC processor-powered server platforms that deliver superior performance and total cost of ownership. In HPC, we built momentum with new high-volume wins, including the National Center for Atmospheric Research, Sweden's Institute of Science, as well as a unique on-prem and cloud solution for the United Kingdom's National Weather Modeling Service that will be the world's most powerful weather and climate forecasting supercomputer. Taking a step back, I am very pleased with the progress we have made in our data center business over the last several years, as each new EPIC processor generation has ramped significantly faster than the previous generation. We have established AMD as a trusted strategic partner to the largest cloud enterprise and HPC customers based on developing and consistently delivering a leadership multi-generation CPU roadmap. 2021 marks an inflection point in terms of the scale, ecosystem support, and customer adoption of our EPIC and Instant processors. In the first quarter, data center product revenue more than doubled year over year and represented a high teens percentage of our overall revenue. We expect data center product revenue to grow significantly as we go through the year, driven by our strong pipeline of new cloud, enterprise, and HPC wins. We significantly accelerated our business in the first quarter and now see higher growth for the year driven by increased customer adoption for our products, overall market strength, and additional supply from our supply chain partners. We also passed another major milestone with our pending acquisition of Xilinx in the quarter as shareholders voted overwhelmingly to approve the transaction. We remain on track to close the strategic acquisition by the end of the year. In closing, we have entered a high-performance computing megacycle with the strongest products and the deepest customer relationships in our history. Our success is built on delivering a consistent cadence of leadership products. We are increasing our R&D investments and aggressively driving our roadmaps to continue setting the pace of innovation for the industry and deliver best-in-class growth over the coming years. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Devinder to provide some additional color on our first quarter financial performance. Devinder? Thank you, Lisa, and good afternoon, everyone. AMD had excellent execution and very strong financial performance in the first quarter. Our multi-generation product roadmap is driving significant revenue growth, and we delivered record financial results and free cash flow. Driven by this momentum, we delivered first quarter revenue of $3.45 billion, up 93% from a year ago, and up 6% from the prior quarter. Year-over-year -year growth was driven by strong increases in sales across all businesses. Gross margin was 46%, flat from a year ago, despite significantly higher semi-custom product revenue. Operating expenses were $830 million, compared to $584 million a year ago as we continue to invest in our business. Operating income was $762 million, up $526 million from a year ago, driven primarily by revenue growth. Operating margin increased from 13% a year ago to 22%. 
Net income was 642 million, up 420 million from a year ago, excluding 15 million dollars of Xilinx acquisition-related costs. Diluted earnings per share was 52 cents per share, compared to 18 cents per share a year ago. Current quarter results include a 15% effective tax rate compared to a 3% tax rate a year ago. We continue to anticipate a cash tax rate of approximately 3% for 2021. Now turning to business segment results. Computing and graphic segment revenue was $2.1 billion, up 46% year over year due to the significantly higher client processor and graphics revenue. Computing and graphic segment operating income was $485 million, or 23% of revenue, compared to $262 million a year ago. Enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment revenue was $1.35 billion, up 286% from $348 million the prior year. The revenue increase was driven by the ramp of semi-custom product sales and very strong growth in Epic processor revenue, which more than doubled year over year. EESC segment operating income was $277 million, or 21% of revenue, compared to an operating loss of $26 million a year ago. The higher operating income was driven by higher revenue. Turning to the balance sheet, cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments were $3.1 billion, up from $2.3 billion at the end of the prior quarter. Inventory was $1.7 billion. Free cash flow was $832 million in the first quarter, compared to negative free cash flow of $120 million in the first quarter of 2020. Principal debt was $314 million, including a $24 million reduction in our 2026 convertible notes, which have only $2 million remaining. Let me turn to the outlook for the second quarter of 2021. Today's outlook is based on current expectation and contemplates the current global supply environment and customer demand signals. We expect revenue to be approximately 3.6 billion, plus or minus 100 million, an increase of approximately 86% year over year, and an increase of approximately 4% sequentially. The year-over-year increase is expected to be driven by growth in all businesses. The sequential increase is expected to be primarily driven by growth in data center and gaming. In addition, for Q2 2021, we expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 47%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately $900 million, non-GAAP interest expense taxes and other to be approximately $130 million, and the diluted share count in the second quarter is expected to be approximately 1.23 billion shares. For the full year 2021, we now expect revenue growth of approximately 50% over 2020, driven by growth across all businesses, up from the prior guidance of approximately 37%. We continue to expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 47%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately 26% of revenue, 
non-GAAP effective tax rate to be 15%, and we expect the company's cash tax rate to be approximately 3%. In closing, we had an excellent start in 2021 with very strong year-over-year growth in both segments. We continue to invest in the business and drive strong financial returns. With that, I'll turn it back to Ruth for the question and answer session. Ruth? Thank you, Devinder. And operator, if you'd like to poll the audience for questions, please. Absolutely. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to be placed into question queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing star 1. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question today is coming from Vivek Arya from Bank of America Securities. Your line is now live. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my question. Um, Lisa, you're guiding the, you're increasing the full year guidance by almost uh, 1.2, 1.3 billion. Could you give us some sense of what has changed in the last uh, three months? Because your competitor was recently talking about cloud digestion, and you are raising guidance by 1.3 billion. So I'm curious what changed in the last three months, and if you could help us parse uh, which products or end markets are contributing to this increase, how much from servers or PC or semi-custom or, or if there is any uh, crypto impact. So any, any color on what's uh, driving this really strong guidance and increase for the year would be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely, Vivek. Thanks for the question. So, uh, you know, we are, you know, we started the year very strong, uh, you know, very pleased with the first quarter performance and, you know, what we see um, overall for the year. So, uh, you know, we are increasing our full year guidance. Uh, you know, we exceeded in the first quarter. Uh, we got it up in the second quarter. And then, um, you know, that's carrying through to the second half of the year. Um, what we've seen is the following. You know, we came into the year with, um, you know, an overall, you know, strong demand picture. And, um, you know, that was certainly true. Um, what's, uh, what we've seen over the last 90 days is, you know, consistent uh, strong demand, um, you know, uh, very strong visibility from our customers on um, what they need throughout the year. Uh, particularly, you know, you asked about data center. I think we saw um, actually, uh, you know, strong signals in the first quarter that it would be a, a strong data center year uh, for us. Uh, you know, we're on a product ramp cycle. Um, you know, we launch new products in, um, you know, PCs on the mobile side with our Ryzen 5000. We launch new products on the graphics side uh, with Radeon 6000. And then um, the launch of um, the third generation Milan has actually gone uh, very, very well. So in terms of what we see, we, we see, uh, you know, very strong demand for our products. Uh, we see good customer, um, you know, ordering patterns and strong backlog. And then, you know, we have also seen that, um, that, you know, the supply chain has been tight overall for the semiconductor industry, and we've been working very closely with our supply chain partners, and so we also have good visibility uh, to additional supply as we go throughout the year. You know, so with all of that in place, um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, we feel very good about how the year is shaping up. Um, in terms of, you know, where you see, um, you know, the strength, um, you know, overall, I, I would say it's strength across all businesses, but, um, you know, particularly, um, you know, the strength in data center is um, is good, and, uh, you know, we also see just, again, you know, very good visibility and, you know, very close working relationships with our customers. Uh, you asked about crypto. Uh, we, we do not, you know, we have negligible, um, you know, crypto in here. So, you know, this is really, 
um, the foundational business, uh, you know, really um, the new products and, uh, you know, just, you know, seeing the, um, the customers um, adopt and ramp quickly. Got it. Very helpful. And Lisa, for my uh, follow-up, should we assume that now you are getting adequate supply, so you're kind of caught up from a supply perspective and supply is no longer a constraint, or, or is that still a constraint? And, and if it is, in which end market? Because you're keeping fully your gross margins uh, steady at uh, 47%. So I was curious if, if there is any impact uh, from uh, supply or you know rising input cost uh, that could be impacting your gross margins, which, which you decided to keep kind of flat versus your last outlook. Yeah, you know, I would say, um, you know, Vivek, it's still early in the year, so uh, the entire semiconductor supply chain is very, very tight. I think you hear that from all of our peers um, um, in the marketplace. Uh, that being said, you know, we've, we've been working, you know, very closely uh, with our supply chain partners. Uh, you know, we have seen improvements that have uh, led to the uh, to the improved full-year guide. You know, we're going to continue to work on that because, you know, right now um, I would say the channel, you know, um, you know, the inventories are very low throughout the entire supply chain, whether you talk about at our customers or in the channels. Um, and so there's, uh, you know, there's quite, um, you know, quite more um, that uh, that we would like um, to be able to do. Um, that being the case, uh, you know, I think we we continue to work uh, well um, with our partners and and you know take lots of actions there. Um, as it relates to uh, overall, you know, costs and things like that, you know, we are uh, watching those things. Um, you know, I think from logistics and you know some of the component costs and things like that. Um, so there's, uh, you know, mostly the the gross margin. Um, you know, guidance is, you know, reflective of the fact that, you know, we do have, um, you know, ramping of our new products, and we also have um, some ramp of, um, you know, the, the gaming products, which are, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, below uh, corporate average. But we'll see how things progress as we go throughout the year. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Vivek. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Blaine Curtis from Barclays. Your line is now live. Hey, thanks for taking my question, and nice results. Uh, just maybe just Following up on uh, that question, I was just curious. Uh, the, there's, the semi-custom business obviously is not following any sort of seasonality, but there's a lot of talk about supply constraints there as well. Um, you basically saw no seasonality in March, and I, I was, it seems like it's not growing much in June. So just maybe just is that still impacted by you know maybe not your shortages but others shortages and any perspective on that business for the year. Yeah, so uh, thanks, Blaine, for the question. I, I think the you know semi-custom business, if you look at the um, the console launches um, that happened last year, I mean, they were phenomenally good launches, right? Uh, very, very good products. So uh, you're right, you know, seasonality is completely different this year than, um, you know, sort of a typical year. Uh, we had a, um, a strong first quarter, better than seasonal. Um, you know, we were down, but but down um, uh, single digits. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, a bit of growth as we go through the year, um, but it's, it's just starting from such a high point um, in the first half of the year. So, you know, the way I would say it is, I, I think there is a, um, a strong secular demand for gaming, and whether you're talking about consoles or you're talking about PC gaming um, or you're talking about, um, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, the, the overall, you know, sort of gaming ecosystem, um, you know, there's a significant demand. And, and so, um, you know, we believe there's strong demand and, and we're um, continuing to ramp supply to, uh, to meet that. Thanks. And then, and then I just want to ask you on the competitive landscape on the client side, you clearly gained a couple points of share in March. Uh, Intel was talking about, you know, they're being more aggressive uh, on, on their percent of 10 nanometer product. Just maybe just talk about the competitive landscape 
as you look through the rest of the year, and are you seeing any change to that landscape as they ramp 10 nanometers? Yeah, so Blaine, I think the um, the PC business has certainly, you know, uh, had a very strong second half of last year and is um, is strong uh, this year. I think within that, um, we feel very good about our progress, particularly in notebooks and particularly in the premium segments um, of notebooks. So, uh, you know, we had um, a strong, you know, record quarter um, for our notebook business. Um, our ASPs, you know, were up. Um, you know, sequentially and year over year. I think we're seeing traction um, in, you know, sort of the, the premium ultra-thin, um, you know, gaming and commercial. Um, you know, we feel very good about uh, the platforms that we have and the platforms that we have throughout the year. Uh, Ryzen 5000 is very competitive uh, product. Um, you know, I will say that, you know, there are lots, you know, a bit of um, low-end units have come into the uh, uh, come into the um, uh, you know the market, but you know our focus on um, you know on the premium segments have done, have done very well. So, you know overall, pleased with the PC environment and and feel that uh, we're very competitive. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Aaron Rakers from Wells Fargo. Your line is now live. Yeah, thanks uh, for taking the question and congratulations on the quarter. I wanted to ask a little bit about the the server CPU cycle. Um, I know you've talked about kind of an expanding footprint with the cloud guys, but, but I'm curious of where we stand today as far as more of the traditional uh, OEMs, uh, the progression of their systems. I think you've said 100-plus systems. When do you think that those will all be shipping in the market? And, and how would you put the context of, of Milan relative to Rome on that front? And I have a follow-up. Sure. So, um, Aaron, you know, the, the data center business, um, you know, obviously is a very strategic focus for us. And, you know, with Epic, with each generation, uh, you know, we've really tried to expand the reach. Um, you know, I think uh, here, um, you know, in the first quarter, uh, what we saw is very strong results, you know, doubling year over year. Um, it is on the strength of cloud. But what we saw was, you know, both Rome, you know, ramping. So we saw Rome units up sequentially, and we also saw Milan ramping. And, um, and you know what that says. You know this is what we expected. We actually expected that uh, you know we had a a good footprint um, in Rome, and um, that that would continue to be well deployed um, as we come into the first half of this year. And that's played out. And then you know Milan is just a a very very good product. I mean it's extremely well positioned. Um, you know not only do we have um, you know per socket leadership, but we have per core leadership. Um, which, you know, again, expands um, the footprint. Um, so in terms of your question about cloud versus enterprise, uh, we, we were more cloud-weighted um, in, uh, in the first quarter as, um, you know, some of those, um, those instances, uh, both um, internal and external ramped. Um, we would expect that, um, you know, enterprise, both enterprise uh, as well as HPC uh, deployments um, will increase as we go through, um, you know, the next uh, couple of quarters. But we'll see Rome and Milan, um, you know, in the market uh, together all through this year, and uh, and we, you know, we expect um, you know strong adoption um, on the enterprise side. Yeah, and then and then the other question, kind of dovetailing off that, is that you talked in response to a couple different questions. You, you've talked about visibility. You know, our visibility is very strong. It's improved, et cetera. So how would you characterize your visibility today relative to, let's say, what it was three months ago, and, and what gives you the confidence? You know, has there been something that's happened as far as discussions with the cloud guys that's given you more confidence in the visibility, you know, of the growth through the remainder of this year? Yeah, so, um, Aaron, I mean, we, you know, uh, 
when we started this year, we expected to have um, a strong product cycle, uh, just given everything that we saw in terms of, you know, platforms, design wins, um, you know, sort of customer engagements and process. Uh, but, you know, in the last 90 days, I think, you know, we've seen that really firm up. So, you know, from the standpoint of just, um, you know, just the consistency in, you know, all of the schedules that were uh, supposed to be met, um, I think customers liking what they see, um, you know, we are having, you know, multi-quarter uh, conversations, um, you know, just given the tightness overall in the supply chain, I think everyone is wanting to be clearer and more transparent about their needs. And um, that's very helpful for us, frankly. That's very helpful for us in a tight environment. It gives us the ability to plan, um, you know, uh, several quarters out. And so um, I think that's, that's the difference is uh, we have strong visibility into what customers want and, and what we can deliver. And, um, and so that, uh, that gives us confidence that, uh, you know, we, we have the right signals in place. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Matt Ramsey from Cowan & Company. Your line is now live. Um, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, Lisa, I wanted to ask um, a question about the, the enterprise notebook business. Um, and, and I noticed you highlighted in the release and in the slides um, where you are in, in several different verticals in, in design wins on enterprise notebook in the Fortune 500. And I wonder if you might speak a little bit about the relationships that you're building with the big enterprise customers. Do you have FAE support, software support, uh, firmware support, et cetera? Um, do you have the, the, the right people in place to really ramp that business more materially going forward? Thanks. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely, Matt. Um, it's been a high focus for us to, uh, to ramp our um, enterprise notebook business as well as the enterprise server business. And, you know, they, they actually share many of the same, you know, customers and IT departments. And so, uh, so yes, we've made very good progress on the enterprise notebook business. I think we have um, a great set of platforms um, with our OEM partners. Um, you know, we've also ramped up our, you know, field um, application support and, you know, our... Um, you know, customer engagement models um, for deployment um, overall. I think we've gotten some, you know, very nice commercial notebook design wins. And, you know, again, in this environment, uh, the, uh, you know, for us, the important thing is to stay very focused on the longevity um, of the business uh, that we win. And so um, a lot of focus is on those commercial pipelines and how they develop both on the notebook side as well as on the server side. And um, I think we've, uh, we've made good progress, but we still have a lot of opportunity uh, to grow as we go through, you know, the coming, you know, quarters. No, thanks for that. Uh, uh, for my follow-up, it's a bit unrelated. Um, one of, of the businesses that maybe you've not had supply or, or there's been other parts of the business growing much more quickly, uh, I wanted to ask a bit about gaming. Um, the new RDA2 architecture, I think, brings some new features, but obviously there, there's a, a strong incumbent competitor in, in the gaming market. Um, maybe you could just talk about where you are competitively right now, how you see supply coming online that might support that gaming franchise a bit better, and, and just maybe the, the lay of the land in, in gaming right now, because it's one piece of the business that everything else is going so well. I think there are some opportunities there. Thanks. Yeah, uh, so the uh, consumer graphics or the, uh, the, the gaming, um, you know, graphics business, as you talk about, um, has actually done uh, well for us. You know, it grew, um, uh, you know, double digits uh, this past quarter. Uh, you know, we had a very deliberate strategy here with the launch of our DNA 2. Um, you know, we started at the top of the stack. 
um, with um, our uh, big Navi product, and then you know we've now introduced um, you know a couple of um, additional products, and, and you'll see that um, go from uh, the channel um, you know sort of add and board cards into you know more OEM systems and uh, notebook business as well as. Um, additional variants. So it's, a, it's an important market segment for us. We're happy with the progress. I think gamers really appreciate uh, the product. Um, it's fair to say that the graphics demand is very high across the marketplace, so we've actually um, put uh, quite a bit of product into the market, but um, you know, the demand still exceeds supply. Uh, you'll see that um, increase as we go through the second half of the year, and, and overall I think the um, uh, the progress that we've made with RDNA 2 is um, is fantastic, and you know we continue to believe that you know gaming overall um, is a great uh, secular growth uh, story. Thanks, Alicia. Appreciate it. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Toshia Hari from Goldman Sachs. Your line is now live. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks so much for taking the question. Uh, Lisa, I wanted to ask about the data center GPU business. Um, I realize it's still a relatively small uh, percentage of the overall business. You talked about, you know, production ramping in, in the second half uh, of this year. You talked a little bit about Frontier as well. But what kind of customer pull are you seeing um, in your data center GPU business? And i got a quick follow-up. Yeah, uh, uh, Toshia, thanks for the question. Uh, we're making uh, very nice progress in the data center GPU business. Um, it's, in, it's in the investment mode now, so we're investing heavily in business. Uh, we, you know, launched the CDNA architecture or, you know, the compute um, optimized architecture last year. You'll see updates to that this year um, as, we, uh, as we bring out, you know, the next generation with our frontier um, systems, um, you know, the revenue um, is, albeit on the lower side, you know, in terms of just size of the business relative to the rest of the business, um, but we will see growth into the second half of the year, and, you know, the business here is actually very strategic, right? It's the idea of, um, you know, really putting together, you know, heterogeneous systems and bringing our CPU technology with Epic together with our GPU technology with Instinct, with, you know, the software capabilities um, that we have been, uh, have been investing in and, and really getting, you know, strong HPC systems as well as um, AI and machine learning capabilities. So uh, we will see growth in the second half this year. Um, it'll still be, you know, uh, a smaller business, but, you know, we see it, uh, you know, growing in the strategic time frame over the next couple of years. And it, it is very much that end-to-end -end story of, of what you need to, uh, to really you know, satisfy, um, you know, sort of the, uh, the key workloads in the data center. Great. And then as my follow-up, I wanted to ask about, you know, the potential threat from ARM uh, longer term. Um, you know, within 80, x86, obviously, you've got significant runway for, from a market share perspective, but how are you thinking about the potential threat from, from ARM-based processors, both in your client business as well as your server business? You know, you've got Apple. Um, Obviously, internalizing some of their some of their CPUs on the client side. Um, you got hyperscalers talking about internal solutions, and you know your closest uh, GPU competitor launched or introduced rather uh, uh, ARM-based uh, CPU multiple years out. So, any any thoughts on on ARM versus x86 and, and and how you address that would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think the, the key point here is, um, you know, you, you really have to have, you know, a very, very strong product roadmap, um, and, uh, and that, that is really what we're focused on. Um, I think the, the overarching trend that computing is becoming, you know, very important, and so, uh, you know, there are, you know, additional, um, additional entrants trying to address different aspects of computing, I think is to be expected. 
um, you know, when you look at the data center in particular, I think, uh, you know, the trend that, um, you know, computing is becoming more workload optimized um, is, uh, is also an important trend. Um, these are the things that we've been thinking about for a long time, you know, and we've been looking at you know, ensuring that we address that in our roadmap. So our focus is to continue to optimize solutions, um, you know, across the data center and across, um, you know, the PC ecosystem, make sure that what we have is um, very competitive, addressing what customers' needs are, and, um, you know, we also have the ability to customize solutions um, as well, you know, with our uh, strong IP portfolio. So all that being the case, I think, um, you know, the answer is, you know, very competitive market, but we feel very good about the roadmap um, that we have in front of us. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from John Pitzer from Credit Suisse. Your line is now live. Thanks, guys. Let me ask a question. Congratulations on the solid result. Lisa, maybe you know the way to ask that last question of x86 versus ARM. I'm wondering if you could address it from the perspective of general purpose compute versus semi-custom and ASIC, because clearly, you know, as Moore's Law is coming up with some issues, you know, the move towards semi-custom and ASIC is much more prevalent. I know to the answer to Shara's question, you said that you're doing or you have the ability to do semi-custom. Do you actually have engagements, and how do you see sort of general purpose compute versus semi-custom ASIC playing out over time? Yeah, so, uh, John, the way I would um, address that is I, I think there's a whole range of computing solutions that uh, that you need, and, you know, this is back to, uh, you know, a few years ago, our, our conversations about um, heterogeneous compute being, you know, you need to have the right compute for the wor right workload. So I think that's the overarching um, aspect of it. Um, no, no question that, you know, for our business, general purpose compute is um, the largest piece of our business. Um, and will continue to be so. Um, you know, we are doing, you know, we certainly do optimizations for specific customers today, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, that for, for large cloud customers, you know, they expect that, and, and you know, we are, we are doing that. Um, we do have the ability, um, you know, to optimize um, on, a, on a more a speci a specific basis. And if you look at the evolution of our architecture, I think that, um, uh, you know, when we do these, you know, chiplet architectures and things like that, that it really, you know, allows that. So um, lots of um, lots of good engagements going on with, you know, customers overall. And I think that the key is to be able to have the right IP building blocks. And, you know, that's what we're focused on, right? Having, you know, the best CPU cores, the best GPU capability, having great interconnect. And, um, and then with the bringing on of Xilinx, having the adaptive, you know, computing solutions there as well, gives us a lot of options, you know, to optimize, uh, you know, solutions uh, with customers. That's helpful. And Lisa, as my follow-up, you're still relatively early in this new gaming console cycle. And typically through those cycles, your product's gross margins have, have some pretty good uplift. I'm wondering if you can just help characterize where you think you are in sort of the gross margin cycle uh, for the, the gaming console business. And, and you, you know, if you want to tell us kind of how dilutive you think it is to overall margins and where that might go by the end of the year, that'd be helpful. Yeah, uh, John, I would say that we're still very early in the console cycle. And, um, you know, from, you know, if you think about it, we're only, you know, a couple quarters into it. So I, I think this is a, this is a big cycle. And, um, you know, there's, um, a lot of momentum in the cycle. You know, we're going to continue to work on, you know, improving costs and improving margins and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, we still have a, a ways to go and, and lots of opportunity there um, as we go through the next um, next couple of years. Thank you. 
Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Mark Lapesis from Jeffries. Your line is now live. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, Lisa, the, I, I guess um, you, you had indicated you, you believe, I believe you said you uh, thought you gained share in the server market. My back of the envelope calculation suggests you gained at least two points of share in service, which is an acceleration on um, my estimate of about 1% share gain a quarter over the previous four quarters. So I guess, you know, can you tell me if my math is materially off? And, you know, if, if not, what is, is this a new higher rate of share gains? And, and, and what would you chalk this up to? Are, are you guys at a, a tipping point? Are your customers at a tipping point for embracing um, AMD as a, as a supplier? Do they have increased comfort or is your ecosystem for support? Can, can, you, can you just maybe you know, give us a higher level picture about where, where, where you think your customers are in, in, in really embracing and, and ramping up your, um, your server offerings at a higher rate? And, and yeah, I have if I may. Yeah, sure. So, you know, in terms of, um, you know, our data center performance in the first quarter, it, it was quite strong. And, um, you know, when I look at the drivers um, of that, uh, you know, we saw cloud um, in particular, um, you know, quite strong. And uh, when I, you know, look at the drivers underneath that, um, you know, there were, quite, there were a couple things that uh, have, uh, have come together. You know, first of all, I mean, we've been um, very, very deeply engaged, uh, you know, with our customers for the last number of quarters in, you know, qualifying new instances, uh, qualifying new internal workloads, uh, you know, really uh, expanding the regional capability um, of our uh, coverage. And so, you know, all of those things, I think, um, have left, led to, um, you know, some lift, um, you know, overall um, in, the, uh, in the data center business. And then going forward, I think the other piece of it is, you know, if you recall when we did the Naples to Rome transition, you know, that transition was, you know, pretty much, uh, people switched from Naples to Rome. Um, what we're seeing in this cycle is a bit different. What we're seeing is that, you know, Rome um, has um, a set of, of very, um, you know, strong coverage um, in terms of applications that, that they're in that are ramping very nicely, that are having, you know, good demand. And then on top of that, we're adding Milan, um, which is just a very strong product um, on top of that. So I think that th those are some of the things um, that are perhaps uh, you know a bit uh, a bit different about what we're seeing right now. Um, that being this case, you know things move around from quarter to quarter. So um, I would say that the uh, the data center um, signals um, that uh, that we're seeing are positive. Um, you know we're excited about what we're seeing. It's it's a lot of engagements with customers, and you know the main thing for us is you know as important as um, the current year is. You know we're also very focused on you know the long-term roadmap, and so you know we're engagement we're engaging now on you know Zen four and and beyond. So um, it really is a uh, a multi-generational you know discussion with um, our top customers. Uh, great, that's very helpful. And then um, a follow-up on just coming back to ARM. Um, you know you you're, you know, they, you answered the previous questions with you know kind of talking about, um, you know, embracing the idea of having heterogeneous uh, architectures and semi-custom and working with your customers to, you know, to develop solutions. It, you know, if, if I go back, uh, AMD had an ARM server offering before. Can, can you give us an update on, on the state of that, that, that ARM server IP? Is that something that you can resurrect or, you, or have you been keeping it, you know, the development working on that? And can you discuss are your, are your customers you know, asking for your help in the delivering semi-custom solutions that have an ARM 
component to it because from what I can tell, it looks like three cloud service providers have ARM server offerings in their platform, and, and but there's a lot that don't and don't have you know quite the uh, the development capabilities. So um, I, I was hoping if you could just talk more specifically about the IP that you had and can you know is, is are you bringing it back to your customers asking for it? Thank you. Yeah, sure, Mark. So look, we we know the ARM architecture well. Certainly, our um, our engineers know it well, and you know we consider ARM a partner um, in many respects. You know, we use ARM IP in in various aspects of our devices. Uh, in terms of you know that specific custom ARM design, we we don't have that um, in plans right now. Um, in terms of whether we would um, you know do custom ARM designs, I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, that's the, the whole idea of the semi-custom business. And so I think it's less about ARM versus x86 and much more about um, having the right IP um, in the right, um, you know, sort of combination uh, to, uh, to satisfy, you know, sort of the customer solutions. And that's the way we look at it. It's, it's really, you know, what, what problem are you trying to solve? And, you know, let's look at, you know, sort of the collection of IP that we have and the capabilities that we have to help um, address, um, you know, that, uh, that set of uh, that, that set of, uh, you know, sort of issues. Gotcha. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Ross Seymour from Deutsche Bank. Your line is now live. Hi. Thanks for having me ask a question, and congratulations on the strong results and guide. Lisa, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a conceptual question. In your full-year guidance, you clearly raised the revenues to a very strong number, but you kept the margins the same. I think people understand the operating margin side of it, that you have an opportunity to invest and great opportunities in front of you to grow. But on the gross margin side of things, I'm just a little surprised, uh, given the strength that you're talking about in the data center business, uh, the HPC frontier, those things kicking in the back half of the year. I'm a little surprised that it, it didn't go up. Now, you've delivered very consistent guidance and incre increases improvements over time, and, and I, don't, I can't recall the last time you missed your gross margin guidance, but I'm just wondering what the puts and takes are that would keep that gross margin guidance flat for the year. Yeah, Ross, sure. So um, let, let me uh, perhaps start, and then you know, Devinder may have um, a few comments. So I think um, – you know, from a from a overall you know revenue standpoint, I think we are uh, you know very um, you know comfortable with the guide up, just given uh, the visibility that we have on the customer demand front and on the supply front. Um, on the you know overall margins, uh, we are guiding up sequentially um, as we go from Q1 to Q2, and then I think for the second half of the year, what we would say is, look, it's still early in the year, and you know it's a very dynamic environment, Ross. I mean, a very dynamic environment, and so. Uh, you know, we're watching the puts and takes, and there's, you know, always product mix things um, that come into play um, in terms of um, the puts and takes. But I think we're, you know, we're, we're confident that we're in a good place, and, you know, as, as we go through the year, we'll, we'll give you, you know, more updates on that. Uh, but there, there isn't, you know, any, um, you know, anything more than that. I think it's, it's just, you know, where we are in the year, and, you know, given the dynamic environment we have, um, in uh, in the marketplace, uh, you know that's that's what gives us you know approximately uh, you know the 47 percent guide. I don't know, Devinder, you want to add to that? Uh, the only thing I'll add, Ross, I think as you know the situation is pretty tight as we talked about you know the the overall global supply situation in semiconductors. So we are seeing you know some increases in component costs, uh, but overall we're managing it you know on the higher revenue by more than a billion dollars. We are maintaining the you know the 47 percent. Um, a guide for 2021, which is up from last year. And last quarter was, you know, 45, this quarter 46, guiding 47. The trend is, is very good, and we are very, very happy with that. 
Thanks for those details. That's really helpful. For my follow-up, I want to get a little more tactical, but it will somewhat fold into your answers to the first question, and that is for your second quarter guide from the midpoint of up roughly 4%. Could you give us a little bit of puts and takes between your two main segments? And, and I guess the, the slightly longer-term question part of that would be data center being high teens in the first quarter was great sequential growth, uh, doubling year over year. Any sort of color on how you think that percentage changes throughout the rest of the year, given your 50% growth guidance for the entirety of the year? Sure, Ross. So um, in terms of, you know, the second quarter, um, you know, as we look at sequential growth, um, you know, we, we do see uh, sequential growth, um, you know, in the data center business. So, you know, on, on the server side, as well as the, on the data center graphic side. Um, as well as, um, you know, some growth on, on the gaming side. Um, as we look at, um, you know, the full year, um, you know, our expectation is that the percentage of the company that is, you know, sort of the data center percentage of the company will, uh, will increase as we go through um, the next couple of quarters, and, and that's, you know, just the dynamic of, you know, some of the, the, the strength in the consumer businesses in the first half, so that's not you know, normal seasonality and um, and just the uh, acceleration or you know some of the uh, some of the growth that we see in the data center business as we go throughout the year would would lead to a higher percentage of revenue um, in data center on higher revenue. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is coming from Stacy Razikov from Bernstein Research. Your line is now live. Hi guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I first had a question on data center um, in, in the quarter. So the EESC was up almost $100 million. Epic was up and Semi-Custom was down, which means Epic was up even more than that. Can you, I know it was both Rome and Milan grew, but how much of the actual growth, the, the $100 million plus sequentially that must have been Epic, how much of that growth, how did that split up between Rome and, and Milan? Was it like the majority of the growth of the, was Milan? And how do you see Milan as a percentage of a data center CPU mix in Q2? Sure, Stacey. So um, if I look at the first quarter, you know, we, we shipped Milan as well in the fourth quarter, right? So we shipped um, a good amount of Milan in the fourth quarter, a good amount in the first quarter. Um, I would say um, in terms of growth, uh, it was probably more Rome-weighted uh, um, in the first quarter um, compared to Milan, but there was good growth in both. Um, and then um, as we go into the second quarter, uh, we would uh, still expect to see growth um, in both Rome and Milan um, with, you know, Milan growing faster um, as that ramps. And, um, you know, we would expect by the third quarter that it would cross over and, um, you know, Milan uh, would perhaps be higher than Rome. Now, you know, obviously <laughs> these things change a little bit as customers go through their ramps, but that's, that's sort of what we see. So, you know, the, the meta point is, um, you know, Rome demand is robust and will stay, um, will stay a good part of the revenue um, for this year. Um, in its entirety, and then Milan is ramping quickly, and um, you know customer adoption is strong, and, and so we expect you know it'll 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 ramp quickly as we go through the next couple of quarters. Hopefully, that answers your question. That does. Thank you. Um, I have a follow up if, if if you don't mind. I actually do want to ask a, a question about OpEx. Um, so I know the the model you gave at the analyst day had a midpoint for OpEx revenue of 26.5 percent. I know you're running ahead of revenue and everything right now. But if I sort of back out the second half implied guidance topics, it actually is at that 26.5% run rate in the second half to get to 26% for the full year. Should we think about you, I guess it's like as we go into 2022, do you think you're sort of at the model OPEX run rate that's sort of, you know, 
like more than 26, 26 and a half percent on whatever the revenue is. Is that the right way to think about the OPEX trajectory going forward? And, and I guess like, you know, is, do, do you think you're actually spending enough at this point, given where you're taking the roadmap? Are you spending at the right levels right now to ensure that that roadmap is, is actually cemented and, and firm? Yeah, uh, Stacy, um, you know, very good question. Um, I think we are, um, uh, you know, the, the revenue is well above our our long-term model, and 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 certainly um, in this year, it's it's well above our long-term model. Last year, it was well above our long-term model, and we're taking the opportunity to invest. And you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, our investments uh, in um, in R and D, you know, really, uh, really, as you say, cementing uh, the roadmap. Our investments across, you know, sales and field support and all of the customer-facing support. And, you know, frankly, we're making um, investments in, you know, sort of some of the infrastructure surrounding um, the company as well, since it's, it's just a much larger company um, than it was a few years ago. So I think the answer is yes, uh, we're investing enough. Um, and I think we're taking the opportunity to be very aggressive with, um, you know, with those investments to, uh, um, uh, you know, given, given the strength of the, um, the revenue growth. Maybe, Devinder, you want to add to that? or No, I think that's good. I think you covered it. You know, we've been very disciplined, as you know, uh, Stacy, over the years about managing the OPEX. Uh, it does scale with revenue, but, you know, OPEX is growing lower than lower rate than revenue, and obviously that shows up in the financial results from a model standpoint. The leverage, as you mentioned, the operating margin is going up for the company. Got it. Thank you, guys. Operator, we'll take two more questions, please. Certainly. Our next question is coming from, coming from Timothy Arcuri from UBS. Your line is now live. Thanks a lot. Lisa, I wanted to ask also about um, share gains. You know, you've done a great job this year in both client and in, you know, data center at, at the same time as was referenced before. You know, um, Intel's tone is definitely changing. They use the word, you know, leveraging relationships, and they talked about other tactics to sort of stem or, you know, arrest some of the share losses, and they're now offering x86 cores via Foundry and things like that. So I guess the question is sort of beyond this year, because the competitive, you know, environment this year is, you know, pretty much set. So can do you think we can extrapolate the success you've had this year into, you know, 22 and 23, or do you think the competitive environment will intensify the next few years? Thanks. Well, uh, Tim, I would say that we have always expected the competitive environment to be very strong, and, you know, we still do. So, um, you know, there's, there, by the way, there are lots of competitors, um, you know, out there. Um, you know, from our standpoint, I think um, over, you know, the past few years and the past few generations, I think we've built a track record uh, with customers, and, and we've built a set of deep relationships, and, and we've learned a ton about what's important uh, to customers, where to spend the time, the effort, um, and, you know, where we need the close partnership. So, uh, you know, I feel very good about where we're positioned this year, but I feel, um, you know, very excited about what we have in the roadmap going forward. And, and I mean, we are we're not slowing down. So there's a, there's a lot in the roadmap and, you know, we have, uh, you know, more resources and more capabilities to bring to the market. And, um, you know, I think we're going to be very competitive going forward. Totally. Thanks. I guess as my follow-up then, um, can you give just the vendor, maybe give some sense of what the loading is for, you know, semi-custom first half to back half. It seems like it's going to be about even, you know, back half versus front half this year. Is that, is that correct? I was slightly up in the second half, you know, because the launch of product in the second half of last year started out strong uh, because it's it's a new it's a new console generation, and then maybe slightly up in the second half is what I would say. 
Okay, Devinder, awesome, thank you. Thank you. Our final question today is coming from Joe Moore from Morgan Stanley. Your line is now live. Great, thank you. Um, you talked a little bit about the supply constraints that you've been dealing with. Can you talk about, you know, where those are coming from? Is that a, a wafer constraint, substrate constraint, both, uh, or other stuff? And, and you know, where when you talk about making progress and kind of getting more supply out, you know, what's the source of that progress? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think, Joe, I would say overall the, 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 the demand, you know, if we look at coming into this year, the demand has been, um, you know, sort of higher than um, our expectations and, you know, they're sort of industry-wide types of things um, that are going on. Uh, you know, we work very closely with our supply chain partners, so, you know, whether it's you know, wafers or, you know, back-end, um, you know, assembly test um, capacity or, uh, or substrate capacity and, um, you know, we work it on a product line by product line level. So, you know, I don't know that there is, um, you know, a single thing that I would point out. I would say that on a product line level, um, what we've done and what we'll continue to do is ensure that there are multiple sources um, uh, for um, things, particularly in the back end, that gives us flexibility um, to move things back and forth. Um, you know, we continue, uh, you know, on the substrate side in particular, I think there has been underinvestment. Um, in the um, in the industry, and so you know we've taken the opportunity um, to um, to invest in some um, you know substrate uh, capacity um, dedicated to AMD, and you know that that'll be something that you know we continue to do uh, going forward. Um, we're also I mean we also have a fantastic engineering teams that are just you know looking at you know how we together in the ecosystem just get more productivity um, into the system and and we wait, work very closely with TSMC to make sure that um, you know we're forecasting well and, and getting the right support so I think it's you know all of the above in terms of making sure that we have the capabilities and um, the other thing I'll mention Joe is just you know it's not just about processors but it's included it's uh, it's also ensuring that they're match sets um, in the ecosystem and so you know, our teams are also working very closely with our um, with our OEMs to make sure that uh, you know we're we're um, together uh, ensuring that they're the the full system uh, components necessary. So it, it is a complex supply chain environment. I'm, I will tell you, uh, you know, given everything that I've seen, it, it is a complex environment because all markets are so hot. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy that uh, that we've been able to make progress. And and by the way, we're not done, right? There's there's plenty more that we would like to do um, to uh, to get uh, uh, get more uh, capability in the supply environment. And um, and so we're working, you know, closely with our partners across the board. Great. Well, definitely very impressive results in the context of everything going on. Thank you. Thank you. We've reached the end of our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the floor back for any further closing comments. Thank you, Kevin. We'd like to thank everybody for joining today's call, and we'll look forward to engaging with you throughout the quarter. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. That does conclude today's teleconference webcast. You may disconnect your line at this time and have a wonderful day. We thank you for your participation today.